Why, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, Keeping Busy People Healthy. I'm Stephanie Webster, a nutritional therapist on Harley Street, specialising in fat loss, gut health, and hormone optimization for executives and entrepreneurs over 40. Now, I got into nutrition after my mother died of cancer, and after understanding the effects that food had on my body, and I have ulcerative colitis, and certain foods caused inflammation, and certain foods caused the opposite, or nothing at all. And... When I was learning nutrition, I was alongside athletes, and I remember somebody saying, some people eat to live, and some people live to eat, and there are different attitudes and beliefs around food. The athletes were asking really intelligent questions. For example, if I add this and this, will it improve my speed? And I asked questions like, yeah, but what do you do if you fancy a bit of chocolate? And I realized that they believed food was fuel, and I believed food was pleasure. And to finally understand what my fellow athletic students were talking about, we have Matt Lovell on the show. Matt is a specialist performance nutritionist with 18 years practical experience in elite sports, working directly with international teams, England rugby and football, Manchester City, Tottenham, Aston Villa and many individual athletes like Johnny Wilkinson, James Haskell, Jermaine Defoe, Jodie Taylor, Will Sharman and many, many, many more. Matt is a driving force behind the Amino Man range. And Matt has helped me personally. So, Matt, thank you very much for coming on to the show. No worries at all. Thank, thanks a lot for having me on. So, Matt, what got you into nutrition and why sports nutrition specifically? Uh, well, it's a good question. And without going on and on and on about it, I think I was sort of exposed from an early age. Um, my dad retrained as an acupuncturist and both my mum and dad ran a, a sort of organic cafe at uh, university so they were sort of ahead of the curve in that sort of sense so that was that was all around me as, as I was growing up and then I I got really interested in martial arts having started karate at 12 and then got into Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee was also an early adopter of nutrition for performance and then, I, and then I started weight training and then, you know, everything sort of came back to you are what you eat and how quickly you develop and adapt or depend on the food you choose. And, and, that, and that, was the, that was the birth of it, really. And I didn't realize you could actually make a profession out of it until about 13 years later, about 25, once, once I'd done all the normal academic route. And then I became a personal trainer and then retrained as, in, as a nutritional therapist after that. That's amazing. And how is it different working with athletes as opposed to non-athletes? Because you've got the, this amazing athletic client base, but then you'll also see the likes of me, uh, completely non-athlete, but just a, a, a wobbly, inflamed person. And uh, you were at the, at the beginning, really, of, of my learning curve. Um, I was doing personal training at Matt Roberts, and he recommended you. And we had some amazing sessions, and it really reduced my inflammation. So what's it like for you working with non-athletes as, as opposed to athletes? Well, um, I think we're all governed by the same system. So, you know, whilst, whilst the athletes have to do almost 90% good to, in order to succeed in their sports, general public can get away with a little bit less than that and still you know, still be healthy. And I like your example about the chocolate because 
I do firmly believe that you need a little bit of what you fancy, otherwise the whole thing just becomes far too rigid and unenjoyable. And we do gain a lot of, you know, nourishment both emotionally and physically from from the foods we choose to eat and who we're eating them with. So the detail is the same with the athletes that I apply into general clinical practice. Um, I think what I've been fortunate enough to um, learn is that by doing hundreds of blood tests on teams and things, then you can extrapolate information and trends that also apply to the general public. I think the little things that go wrong in athletes are just amplified more in someone that's further down a, a journey of dis- disease or disorder. So, you know, we'll moderate inflammation in an athlete so they can play or compete again quickly a few days after their event. For example, Georgia Rugby, who I'm looking after at the moment, played Wales this morning, so they've got six days till they play Uruguay. So that's quite a short turnaround in in, in, um, in rugby. Uh, and so they'll be doing everything they possibly can to get the inflammation down, repair the muscles, repair all the damage to the tissues over this next week. Mm-hmm. And and the, the supplementation is important as well as the nutrition itself. And you've got your own supplement range, which helps in recovery, but also for everyday use. But there's this new sea of amateur athletes, as I, I've heard them being termed, who are doing CrossFit now. And the demands that we are putting on our bodies in the gym is actually more than it's been historically. Uh, there's a, there's, I think maybe social media has influenced that, I'm not sure, but it seems that the, the level of sport that we're achieving on an amateur level is is harder. So we need to invest more in the body. So tell us a little bit about the Amino Man range, which I have sampled myself and I really like it. Oh, thanks, thanks very much. Um, well, look, first thing I would say is that I get annoyed when people like try and oversell supplements for me, so I'm not going to do that. And the second, the second thing I would say is that in order to maintain uh, your your integrity, I, I think you always have to put the client needs first. So I, I I get really annoyed when people get sold things that they don't in fact need or miss sold and so on. So mm-hmm. I keep quite a careful eye on them people that do that and I will disassociate myself from them quite quickly mm-hmm. and you know multi-level marketing companies would be one area that I'd be highly suspicious of because people are driven really by the financial gain on the supplement rather than what is going to be good for that particular person's physiology so I think you always have to have a food first strategy so the first thing I would do with any client is fix fix everything about the diet and the lifestyle and sleep and all those other things. But then, based on blood tests and also symptom analysis, if there's if there's a higher need for, say, moderating inflammation, which you spoke about, or 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 getting them into more of a deep restful sleep because they're not, you know, that's an area that's just not working for them, then I would be thinking about okay, what, what can I either put, put together for them or is there a product that I already make which has been made because I've identified these areas of need in the past. So I'll give you an example. About 
Well, early on within the England rugby years, we had uh, a system where it was called an anabolic growth system. So it's completely natural and it was, it was designed to put a lot of muscle on someone very, very quickly. And part, part of that system was using amino acids in order to put them into really deep sleep so that they'd, the recovery process would be more efficient. Mm-hmm. So we, we would write them a three-page letter and send them 16 different pots of aminos and magnesium and zinc and, all, and everything else. And it was their job to then take a teaspoon and weigh up the exact amounts of every ingredient. Um, and about four or five years ago, I, I thought to myself, well, I could put that into one product and then and see if it's going to help people. So that's that's where the Amino Man sort of started, and that the first product I made was was based on the early work we'd done with the Union Rugby team. It's a, it's called R Five Aminos, and it's designed yeah to give your body loads of lovely magnesium, other antioxidants, and, and a and a ton of aminos just before you go to sleep. And it, you know, it does appear to put people into a deeper sleep. Um, I get a lot of my clients to, you know, use the sleep device. Um, and you can see on days they don't have the aminos, there's, there's little red lines of wakefulness. And then on, on days they have the aminos, there's just like loads of deep blues. So you get much more, they appear to get much more consistent rest off something like that. Mm-hmm. So one of my phrases is give the body what it needs and nothing that it doesn't need. And when it comes to putting things in the body, it, you want it to be as natural as possible, as efficient as possible, as safe as you can. So n- no artificial ingredients. No, the, the whole ethos around eating healthy has always been no processed food. So uh, equally, when it comes to supplements, w- what I like is that you're quite conscientious about the ingredients that you put in. That they don't have a bunch of e numbers and about where wherever you you have been able to keep it as clean as possible you have and that I really take take that on board and uh, I just want to point out by the way I'm not being paid to say any of this this is not sponsored um, so I just want to sort of just say that it's just me and my experience so it's um, something that I liked was the focus formula because I don't like to have coffee. Uh, it causes inflammation in me, but I like the focus formula. Uh, it's it's really helped with energy levels when I've felt sluggish. And what's in that? That's really good. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that that is uh, again that that would have been born out of me taking lots of different things pre-workout and then sort of stumbling across a, a, a mix of natural nootropics. So nootropics are things that enhance cognition memory, focus, and then looking through and then seeing, yeah, okay, what's the clinical dose, so what dose is used in the study which has a good effect, and then combining as many sources of those ingredients into one formula, um, but also taking care that there's not a crossover or, or like a push-pull, so you wouldn't want to use... Um, an amino that's going to enhance focus and then another amino which is going to increase your serotonin necessarily because you're sort of, you're pushing two neurotransmitters at once which wouldn't necessarily naturally be released at the same time in that normal circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. So all the all the aminos and the, and the choline and the alpha-GPC 
I mean, one thing I don't do is skin conning on either the ingredients or the levels that are in there. You'll, you'll be able to see that from the, from the label. Um, and yeah, and, and having used something that's successfully woken me up if I've had a if I've had a rough night or or just training a lot, you know, sometimes you your brain can get tired and your nervous system get can get tired when you're overreaching or going, you know, get, getting ready for an event or something like that. And so what the ingredients in that do is they replenish the depletion of neurotransmitters that can occur as a, as a natural result of overtraining or overwork or overstress, that kind of thing. And it's true you don't skim, skimp on the amount. So we have tyrosine, 3 grams, chloine, 1 gram, AICAR, which I don't know what that is, but anyway, one gram. Go to Cola's one gram. Citrulline malate, 0.8. Beta alanine, alpha GPC, ashwagandha, a whole load more. And the beauty is there's no artificial anything, and the just slight lemon flavouring and stevia, which is just gorgeous, giving the body what it needs and nothing that it doesn't need. So it's exactly on point. So that's cool. Moving on to the trends that you've noticed over the last 10 years. So I was mentioning earlier that, I don't know, there's been CrossFit, there's been Instagram. Have you noticed that it, normal, average, regular people have become more sporty and more athletic? Definitely. I mean, I think certainly living in London, that there's, there's a definite vibe where, I mean, can you remember how few gyms there were like 15, 20 years ago? It's so true. It's so true. And now I can, I can walk back from the tube and go past um, an F45 studio, a CrossFit box, and then a, a kind of sweat and sawdust gym all in all in a sort of 10-minute walk. Yeah, I like the sweat and sawdust ones. Me too. That's, that's the ones I personally train in. They make and me I, feel manly. Yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do. I love the concept of CrossFit, but that wasn't necessarily anything new because that's that's very like how rugby players and people like that train, you know, circuit weights with bits and bobs thrown in which get you more tired so you, and before you can lift again. I've actually but, never done a CrossFit class, can you believe it? I, I've done probably everything, um, but for some reason I've got this irrational phobia when it comes to CrossFit and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I think I've missed the wave. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the, the, the thing about creating a a human that can do all those different things, I think, is a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so you've got good energy, and you, they're also incredibly strong, flexible. You know, you've got the gymnastic elements as well, so it's, it's, it is a nice concept. I think whatever people go for, they need to enjoy. The body needs to want to move in that way. Be it dance, be it boxing, be it CrossFit. Uh, be it parkour, be it, uh, I, I think all of these things are wonderful, yoga, it, it, it has to be something that you can see yourself sustaining so that it becomes a habit and that you enjoy and it becomes part of your athletic identity going forward. So you don't get disheartened doing two months this, two months that. And if it is two months of this, then you just think, well, I tried that, it wasn't for me, so I'm going to try something else. And that's, it's part of the learning process rather than a disheartened thing that didn't work. And it's just having that continued commitment to finding the best thing that's going to work for you. I 100% agree with that. I, I, call it, I call it a chocolate box for the client. So there's always going to be two chocolates you really like the taste of. Um, and that's, that relates to different forms of exercise. And then as long as you've got a scattering of a few different chocolate boxes, 
uh, chocolates across your week, then then you you know you've got an all an all round uh, capacity to get better at your fitness. Matt, I'm not sure I can use chocolate as a reward concept. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't I don't know where I'll be. Um, <laughs> Anyway, what about the future? What's going to be big? Because I'm I'm really interested in how things go wild and crazy. So 10 years ago, nobody spoke about coconut oil. Then everybody was speaking about coconut oil. Now, not so much. And then things go in these different waves. Ultimately, the body needs protein, fats, carbs, vitamins, minerals, etc. And it seems that the source of that seems to change with a trend ongoing for some reason. But I, it appears that veganism is here to stay and only uh, only grow. So I was just wondering what trends you think are on the rise, on going to stay, what's going to be part of the past? I think you're spot on with the sustainability slash vegan movement. I'm, I'm a massive believer in, you know, all that renewable, you know, looking after our resources, basically. I'm not personally a vegan, but I... I tell I tell my clients to eat like a vegetarian or a vegan, and then and then have a little bit of high quality protein alongside a primarily plant based diet. Um, that being said, I I do think it, where you can, you should always source sustainable sources of animal protein. Ideally, farm to table is a, a nice concept. So bypassing the big you know the big supermarket brands and. I don't think anyone's going to necessarily know the names of the animals they're eating, but it, you know, getting closer to how they're how they're raised, how they're reared, what the, what the animals actually being fed, I think that's really really important. I think it's an opportunity for us though to think from an amino profile point of view. How are we going to design a system to create amino acids in the body? Because you need all of those amino acids to to generate muscle on a vegan lifestyle. It's not about being vegan because I know some vegans who eat french fries and chips and all sorts. So so they're really from an animal harm standpoint. But what we mean here by vegan is plant-based, healthy, vegetables first. And I think eventually we're most of us will have to go vegan. And I'm saying it in that not not in a depressed tone of voice, but just in a it it I now need to solve the problem of how to deliver all of these amino acids in the right quantities every day without increasing a bunch of carbs in the diet. How am I going to do that? So uh, it's just something I'm playing with in my head. I don't know if you're doing the same. Yeah, it, that is that is exactly the challenge when you're on a primarily plant-based diet. How do you get a higher carb-to-protein protein ratio? Because really, all, all your, all, more or less all of your... Um, protein sources also come along with a bunch of carbs in them. Yeah, actually, I didn't want to digress on this point, but are you okay if we do for a little bit? Because I want to share... Okay, cool. So, basically, I I went vegan for four months, and I, I, I put on weight. Some people lose weight, or some people put on, put on weight initially. And when I say weight, I mean fat. Um, and that that was okay. I did actually notice a sort of spiritual awakening connection thing that is described in in, in vegan wor- worlds and I did enjoy eating in a vegan way however the protein sources were chickpeas lentils beans and with my ulcerative colitis I found these to, to be quite inflammatory and I've always done better on paleo 
where there's no grains and no legumes. So yeah. I need to go back. If I go back to the, I don't know how I'm going to get all of that from spinach alone. You know, it's gonna, I just need to really rethink how to do that. Um, unless I just, you know, take intravenous amino man and then have a salad. I, I just, I'm just trying to figure that out. But anyway, that's my thoughts so far because in order to stay lean or whether have a decent body fat percentage on a vegan diet, you need to increase your activity level to offset the increased carbohydrate content that comes from protein source, vegan protein sources. So I don't, I don't know what you want to say on that point. Um, but yeah. Well, I think that's why potentially it suits the endurance athlete, um, you, you know, physiological demands more than it might do a power-based athlete I mean I think um, I think there are one of the good things is there are vegan sources of essential aminos and, and branch chain aminos and that's something I'll be integrating into my products just because it open you know you know in a selfish way it opens up a whole new customer base but the you know if, if I if I went vegan then you almost certainly need to take essential aminos as a, as a pure supplement. I agree. Um, and, and, and it does leave big gaps that you need to plug. You know, B12, where do you get your omega-3? You know, you can't, of course you can go straight to plankton-based sources of omega-3, but then again, those are quite expensive and the dose, the dose is quite low. You have to take lots and lots of tablets to get a decent dose. Uh-huh. Well, so I, it, I, I like using the omega-3 from Udo's Choice, which is plant-based. Um, and I've compared that to the omega-3 from salmon, and I think it's quite comparable, actually. But, you know, we're constantly studying and renewing and testing and trialing. Don't you agree, Matt? I've had a lot of clients get unwell with that Udo's oil. Unwell? Um, No, get unwell. Yeah. Get unwell with it, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, as as a vegetarian source, I would probably go for that one first. I do think you need, and it is well made, and it is it is kept well. You know, the the thing with the plant based oils and fish oils too is they're so they're so sensitive to oxidation that you have to really be careful of where you're sourcing them from. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you if you get a poor source or it's been poorly stored, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, it's just going to increase the um, oxidative stress in the body and put more burden on your. Um, antioxidant enzyme systems to clean it out yes absolutely that's a very good point and when i interviewed udo's uh himself for the podcast he's so amazing by the way he's such a i met him personally when he came to london for a seminar and he's just glowing with health it's amazing but uh he's he says you know the, the dark bottles are there for a reason and to buy them in shops not off amazon because they might have been transported in in uh, not in heat uh so that that is something to be and, and always keep them in the fridge so that is something to consider but you know what i'm happy to uh make a note here and maybe we'll come back in six months with more findings um because i think we, we i need to update my system certainly to accommodate more uh, of the vegan movement Okay, so how does alcohol impact fat loss? That's one of the things that clients complain. I can't give up a drink. How am I going to do that? But it's impacting my fat loss goals. Great question. Um, we, it, it looks like lots of people in London drink too much, mm-hmm. especially, especially in the city. Uh, so, 
what is so alcohol contains it's, it's a, it contains calories obviously uh, it, it contains seven calories per gram ethanol so it you know it's halfway between a sort of uh, fat and a protein or a carbohydrate in terms of its calorie content um, there is a, there is a phrase if you want to lose fat don't drink calories mm-hmm. but that that is fairly sensible advice because you know, you cut out all fizzy drinks, sugary drinks, you potentially cut out sugar in your teas and your coffees and you probably cut down on booze as well. Um, and it's you know, if you drink if you're drinking calories, you can drink a lot of calories quite quickly, whereas obviously eating them takes a lot longer. Then so there's so there's that. So there's the calorie uh, impact of, of alcoholic drinks. But then there's a secondary effect which is it's Ethanol is a toxin, so when it's consumed in large amounts, the liver will preferentially deal with that first before it's dealing with anything else. And what it what tends to happen if it's dealing with with uh, alcohol is it will then store other excess calories um, as fat around around itself. So you, and you, you then end up with um, alcohol. Um, alcoholic fatty liver disease and if, if that happens that can put a real spanner in the works when it comes to altering your body fat percentage quickly just with the, with the numerous um, roles the liver has in metabolism and thyroid hormone proteosynthesis all that sort of thing that its ability to do all those things properly will be impaired if it's become fatty by someone over consuming alcohol on a on a regular basis, so and it all depends. I mean, different people have different relationships with alcohol. You know, if you're drinking every day to excess, then obviously people have to consider whether whether they like the alcohol more than they're going to like the negative health benefits that are going to manifest themselves a few years down the line. Yeah, it's all about decisions, but it also affects your hormones. And there's been a lot of talk about hormones and how oh, I don't want to do steroids, but I would do adaptogenic herbs. But I've heard that some of them work, some of them don't. The truth is some people are non-responders. The truth is some of the supplements are not good quality and they're very hard to absorb. But the, the, the other truth also is that a lot of them do work and actually do boost testosterone. Okay, not as much as anything synthetic, but it's still a, a good supplement to have if you're looking to increase testosterone. So my question to you, Matt, is... What, do adaptogenic herbs work and which ones are great for boosting testosterone for those who want to avoid steroids? I, I absolutely love adaptogens. Um, and they, they all, they, yeah, as long as you've got a reliable source, they all will absolutely work um, on many different levels. So they individually, they all tend to have certain areas that they'll affect. Uh, more dramatically. For testosterone, ashwagandha is probably one of the strongest ones you can use. And that's also very good for thyroid hormone health. I've seen quite a few people with borderline low thyroid use ashwagandha and, and it's brought the thyroid up, levels up nicely. So if you want a pure, a pure testosterone boost, take about three grams of a high quality ashwagandha before you do a training session. Um, I also I also like the effect that adaptogens have on basically stress. So, in other words, moderating cortisol release. 
So a good, a good adaptogenic herbal blend will really reduce the negative impacts of stress on the system. And what, what you get then is not necessarily a massive boost in testosterone, but you, you prevent a suppression in testosterone. So you can continue to, you know, function on fine fettle whilst, whilst having quite a high workload, actually. Um, one of the guys that taught me about adaptogens cautioned me. He said, if you give these to your athletes, don't let the coaches train them um, any harder. Let them adapt and recover uh, as normal. Oh, interesting. See, I don't know enough about adaptogenic herbs. I'm still learning on that area. Ashwagandha has been on my radar for some time. I've used it with only a small proportion of clients with good effects, actually. What brands do you recommend? Do you do uh, an ashwagandha yourself? Uh, do you know, I don't. I don't make that as a single herb myself, but I, I really like planetary herbals. Mm -hmm. They make very good um, adaptogens and other, other Chinese herbs as well. Mm -hmm. um, they, they normally make them as tablets. Uh, I make a, I make a couple of adaptogenic blends. Uh, one is a liquid, which uh, is is very effective for stress. Contains um, rhodiola, schizandra, Siberian ginseng, um, and it's got a it's got a licorice sort of flavour base. Mm -hmm. and, and then I've got another one which has got a similar um, blend of herbs, but I. It has gota cola in it instead of licorice. I love that. I love gota cola. It's amazing. And rhodiola is really good for focus as well. I've noticed. Rhodiola is a really good one. I mean, that is a very effective antidepressant. If you're feeling a bit low on a Monday morning, you have a <laughs> handful of, and you'll be out of the doldrums in no time. Lovely. I like GABA. That would probably be my my go-to supplement to take on a desert island. What would yours be? I think it would almost certainly be an adaptogenic herbal blend because I think or and or a focus formula but then again I put I put adaptogens in most of the formulas anyway so mm -hmm. um, yeah I would say probably my liquid adaptogenic blend that would be the one I take with me at the moment so my next question relating to what we said earlier about there's been an increase of fitness and I think Instagram social media has a lot to do with the popularity of health, fitness, and nutrition. It seems that everybody has an avocado one meter away from them at all times. Uh, so, but I think, are we becoming obsessed with healthy eating? Does it cause OCD, anxiety, obsession? Are we all self-absorbed, taking selfies? Do you know, uh, sometimes you can get really caught up in it all, and it, it gets a bit too much. And I, I sort of catch myself sometimes, and... I think because we're in the industry and we'll follow a lot of people who are all doing the same types of things and they'll follow us, etc. You can maybe get a slightly skewed sort of vision of what the world might be doing. And it still amazes me when I go into a corporation and start quizzing them on what, you know, does anyone here take vitamin D? Do you even know what it is? And the level of lack of knowledge in the in the general environment, is still quite dramatic, quite profound. I think I think there's a danger to get too into it as well. I think that's why I always say, you know, eighty twenty rule, mm -hmm. because I think like 
as you said, that sort of orthorexia type over obsession. You know, there's a rise in body image issues, there's a rise in eating disorders, and it. And I'm sure social media and all the visual stuff has a massive impact on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also is inspiring too. I guess it depends how yeah. you've woken up that day <laughs> and how you're feeling, how you're feeling about yourself. It depends if you look in the mirror and you go, why, hello there. Or if you look in the mirror and go, hmm, yes, well, we need to work on that. And then if you look at social media thereafter, it's not going to be a good day, perhaps. But um, I have to say, I don't actually have time to look at the... Uh, there has been, uh, but what irritates me is if I'm looking for something else, maybe something more um, nourishing uh, on social media, psychologically, I I actually can't avoid someone's abs uh, as I swipe along to get to whatever I'm looking for. But yeah, I think think social media in general needs to be toned down uh, anyway. I don't think it's healthy that we just get so technologically addicted. But never mind, I digress. So, um... If you had the powers of Superman, what would you change about the way we eat? Because something that I find remarkable about you in particular, you don't get angry at the lack of education around you, and you, you're very calm and, and empathetic and understanding where people are in their journey. So I'm just wondering that if you could change one thing, there must be something that really irritates you or frustrates you in, in the marketplace. I, the thing that irritates me most is the the power of of fast food chains slash cereal companies and the influence that that has on young population. Yeah. That that would be the thing that I would change if I could. It's so true. Sugar, fat, dopamine yeah. dependency. It, it's, I mean, it's addiction, really. It is addiction. It's an addiction cycle. And, you know, the one doctor I trained with years ago said some wise words that I've always remembered is that you can't help everybody. And that that's you want to help everybody, of course you do, but you can't you can't have a hundred percent success with everyone you encounter and I'd I'd like to think we can change the tide and the tide is changing somewhat, but I think still there's you know, the big food giants are gonna win over the general population. Yeah, but I, I, that is, that's actually a nice phrase and one that I will actually remember and cherish so that I don't get frustrated. However, you know, it's not about what they're doing. It's about what you're doing is what I yeah. profess. So our job is just to survive the jungle that we're in and 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 navigate any situation we're in. And everyone has to just take more responsibility on the decisions that... that they're they're making and get a support network around them to support the best version of them and if somebody's listening to this and they're over 100 kilos they've got 50 kilos to lose across a year or something you know or they've got a massive health challenge and they need a positive mindset which is what we're going to go on to next and you know it's just important to just not blame the, the, the big industries and, and just think, okay, you know what? I need to become stronger. I'm, I'm stronger than this moment and every day I'm going to get closer and closer to a healthy version of me and I'm just competing with me yesterday. That's all I'm competing with. I'm not competing with the photographs on Instagram. I'm not blaming the, the, the serial companies. I'm just going to do what I can within my control to, to be the best version of me. 
And it really does help having a support network, but it also helps having a positive mindset. And on your website, you talk about that. Um, Matt's website, by the way, is aminoman.com. Really cool website. I suggest you go there. So tell us about a positive mindset. You must have seen how that has helped morale in sports, particularly if someone has lost and then they have to win. And how, how does mindset affect the machinery of the body? couple of things there. One is I totally agree. What what's acknowledging the power of the, the big food, you, you, we can still all help each other. And if you have a desire to change, of course you can you can accomplish your goals. And there, and there are the, there are pockets of people doing things you know in exactly the right way and you know fighting back. So that that is all very positive. In terms of in terms of the mindset, I think that I think the thing there is that the phrase. Um, where the mind goes, the body will follow. You know, mm. I think that's a really good phrase. So, your intention and your vision are, are the things which are going to maintain your motivation. So, I don't think necessarily there's a lack of information available for people to make changes. But I think the ability for people to long-term positively change their habits is is really the stumbling block that most people um, come across. And, and I think there's a number of reasons for that, but one of the first things is about affirmations about your journey, so, and also uh, the, your self-talk, your, your self-esteem. So, you know, believe, if no one's ever believed in you, it's quite difficult to believe in yourself. So some people have to unravel all that stuff that might have happened to them, and the reason they, you know, maybe overeaten in the first place is around poor feelings of self-control, negative emotions, escapism, comfort, depression. All those things are, are born through cognition and can be improved through rewiring the way we think, the way we think, and our, and our thoughts in turn shape our attitude and then our attitude we bring to the table in our decisions every day. So, I mean, I'm spending as much time reading, uh, my wife loves me, but self-help help books. I must have 200 or something. But um, you learn a little bit from each one of them. Mm-hmm. There's a really good one I've just read called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And that's, that's a really powerful book which makes change, um, habit change, much, much easier. You know, we're, we're all human, that's the thing. We all, we all struggle on some level, even the most successful people in the world. We'd be surprised how human they are on the inside. And they make mistakes and they have setbacks and they'll have little quirky things they can't stop doing. But it's about, someone said it's about... Um, it's a bit like being in government. As long as more people vote you in than vote you out, you'll you'll make progress and you'll get there in the end. And it's the same with your decisions. As long as you're making a, a few more right decisions than wrong decisions, you'll you'll get you you get further down your journey <clears throat> and towards your goals. Yeah, and I would say my if I have uh, some time to talk about my journey was long and painful, and it was like waxing my leg slowly it was just <laughs> that's the only way I can describe it because it, I, it took me so long to learn and to 
not to learn because I understand. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I can ed- educate quickly. Um, my, uh, my brain can absorb all of that education quickly. Is what I meant. Um, not because I take adaptogenic herbs, but just because I'm fixated. But I, the, it's the behavioural change that took. It's the beliefs. So, firstly, my values had to change. My beliefs had to change. My priorities had to change. Self belief had to increase. So my body had more potential, but my belief was way low. So that then I started to surprise myself because my body caught up and then I was doing more physically than I ever thought I could. So that was a very strange moment when I could finally do a pull-up after. But as well, what I've noticed with people who have never been fit ever, this is the first time in their life that they're building their self-care manual. So you talk about you have 200 self-care books, uh, self-help books. Well, really, our clients are writing how to look after myself. Page one, I need to sleep better. I need to drink. I need to eat like this. I need to not rely on food to soothe my emotions. I need to not be depressed. I need to not have lower standards. I need to not talk to myself in this negative way. I have a, I have a phrase that I've coined, no processed foods, no processed thoughts. By that, I mean no negative self-talk. You need to be your number one best friend if you're going through something like this. You need to support yourself. And then I also say no process people, and by that I mean don't surround yourself with negative people who are constantly feeding you cake and telling you you're rubbish or, you know, taking you to the pub when you've said, no, I want to go to the gym. And that was a real tough one for me that I had to just eliminate certain friends and and build new ones that supported the, where I was going. So there's, there is a lot to it. Um, and particularly if you've got health concerns, in addition, you know, if you're dealing with clients who have had the gallbladder taken out, that's not my story, but for some people, they didn't realise that they were deficient in fat-soluble vitamins, for example. They, they're not, they've not been told. I find that an anger point for, for me, that how we, we just take bits out without thinking, well, maybe that had a use. Um, so, uh, anyway, I'm ranting. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, so it's, um, I'm really having a people have that operation, actually. And you want wonder how, how how often it is absolutely necessary and would there be an, an alternative route? Yeah, absolutely. And also, if it is absolutely necessary, then we need to do something else for vitamin A, D, E, K, fat-soluble, you know, all of that stuff has to be administered in a different way. So, anyway, I digress. But Matt, I have to say, what something that does help everybody get over to the next level is having some guidance and you do consultations and how can we book a consultation with you if we want to improve our health? Oh, well, you can email me directly and it's matt at aminomat.com so m-a-t-t and then at and then it's the word aminoman.com so pretty easy yeah, so I'd be happy to um, help anyone that needs anything really. I've always found you very honest, very open-minded, very ethical. You've got this calm, reassuring voice, and it, it, it's uh, it's it's refreshing. I have to say. Thank you. It's really kind of you to get back in touch and have me on the program. Great. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. This has been the Urban Health Podcast. <laughs>